Good morning, Upward family. So good to see all of you today. How have you been? Everybody doing well? You need to wake up a little bit. I can see that already. Missed y'all last week. We were in Honduras. Had a great time last week at my niece's wedding. We had a wonderful time. I've heard over and over and over again what a wonderful job Pastor Matt did last week. Amen. Amen. To be honest, I've heard enough about that, so stop. <laughs> Seriously, Matt is so incredible. That guy can do anything. Love it when he shares the word and shares the heart of God, and he certainly did last week. We want to welcome you today to a new series called Arrows, and we're so excited about it. By the way, I didn't get to celebrate too much with you over Easter. What an incredible, that's the last Sunday that I was here on Easter. What an incredible time. Thank all of you for showing up, all our volunteers. We had over 2,300 people with us for Easter, which is absolutely incredible. And a lot of people came to Jesus, and I'm so thankful for that. Today, we started a new series called Arrows, and we're in Psalm 127. And we're going to talk about how we can help our children hit the target that God has put in front of them, how we can help our children hit the target God has laid out for them. The Bible does teach that there is a course laid out for all our lives, that God has a will, a destiny, a direction for our lives. He has a place that he wants our lives to end on this earth, a mission he wants us to accomplish, and we're going to look at how we as parents can help our children hit that mark. Now, maybe you're not a parent yet. Write some of this down. You can use it someday. Maybe you're older and the children have left home. We're going to talk about in one of these how to release them and let them go and parent after they're gone in a sense, so there'll be something for you. Parenting is tough, isn't it? I used to be an expert on parenting. I used to know everything there was to know about having kids, and I would tell people about it. I'd be in a shopping center, and I would see a kid acting out, and I would say, well, if that was my child, here's what I would do. You, know, you ever been in that situation? You're like, if that was my child, they won't act that way. And if that's my child, I'd know exactly how to handle it. So I was an expert on parenting until I had children. And then I became less of an expert on parenting, and I started learning parenting is tough. Parenting is also an incredible gift. First time I held my children in my arms, both of them, I remember it so well. I was overwhelmed at how I could love somebody I had just met so much. Is how this person was just knit to my heart that I'd met for the first time. But I was also overwhelmed with a sense of the responsibility of parenting. Those children were in my arms. I thought, wow, I'm now responsible for a life. This has all kind of been fun up to now. We've been married a little while, uh, but now we've got a child. You remember that moment if you've been there. You have this baby, and, and uh, you're in the hospital most, most of the time, and there's a bunch of nurses and doctors around. They have a nursery they take them to, and Michael spent one night in the nursery. I remember that. So we got all these professionals around, but I didn't realize really quickly they're going to make us go home. And this was a real moment for me. They said, Mr. Craver, pull your car up around here. And I'm like, really, already? I don't exactly know what I'm doing right now. Should I be in, allowed to take this child home? Anybody know the feeling? It's like, should I be allowed to take? They said, no, pull your car up. You're going to go home now. Get the car seat ready. And I pulled up and Alexa got in the car and they put this little baby boy in the back of the car seat. And we started driving home. And I thought, man, life just got real. I have a child that I'm responsible to and responsible for, and his life and eventually their lives will be determined in large part by the way 
that I raised them. Parenting is a serious responsibility. Nobody's going to deny, I don't think, that parenting is especially tough in the days that we live right now. Our children are facing questions that we never faced, that we never thought we would face. Our children are living in the midst of a very confused society and a society that's really struggling even with the concept of truth. And yet we're called in the middle of this to be kingdom Christians and kingdom parents who raise our children to know and to serve Jesus Christ. Psalm 127 helps us. It's a beautiful song. Never forget when you read the Psalms that it's a songbook. These were meant to be sung. It is one of a special group of Psalms. Within the, the 150 Psalms that exist, there are songbooks in the middle of it that were compiled together. And Psalm 127 is one of 15 Psalms that was put in its own category, and they were called the Songs of Ascent. And essentially what this meant was that typically the travelers to Jerusalem who would come up to the holy city to celebrate feasts and festivals would sing one of these psalms of ascent or many of them as they ascended into Jerusalem. So Psalm 127 is one of the songs that travelers sang when they were on their way to Jerusalem. It's one of 150 psalms. Out of that 150, King David wrote half of them, almost 75 of those. This psalm is very special because it's the psalm written by by David's son, Solomon. Solomon was the man who was given the most wisdom and the most wealth of probably any man who ever lived. You read his great wisdom in Solomon's and in Lamentations and Song of Solomon. But he wrote this psalm, and it's a powerful psalm about how to build our homes upon the Lord and after we do that, how to launch our children into their lives. So we're going to talk about the eras. Today we're going to talk about building our home in the Lord. Next time we're going to talk about how to draw back that bow and aim your child in the right direction. Then the last one, we're going to cry a little bit when we let them go and watch them fly. Anybody ready for that? Okay, be good to see all four of you back here over the next two weeks. Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Let's read it together. You ready? Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Read it with me. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. I love this passage. It tells us three duties of the leader of the home. It says that their first of all, their job is to build the home. We are builders. Then it says we are protectors, right? We protect our home. And lastly, it talks about us as providers of the home. Do you know every one of us as parents want to do that? We want to build a solid home. We want to protect our home. And we want to provide for our home. What the psalm tells us in Psalm 1 and 2, and this is great news. Everybody ready to take a deep breath? Ready to take a deep breath? How many of you, when I say it's your job to build, protect, and to provide for the home, feel a little bit like, ooh, that's a lot. I've got these lives. I've got to build a solid home that they can grow up in and be stable and healthy and happy. And then I've got to protect this home against things that would invade and destroy the home. 
And then on top of it all, I have to provide for this home and make sure there's shelter and food and clothing and the other necessities of life. When I feel that and I think about that, the first thing that comes to me is, oh me, I'm not sure I'm up to this. Here's the good news. You ready for this? You ready to take a deep breath? That's the Lord's job. Amen. Everybody say, Whew. you didn't do it. And I'm feeling stubborn this morning. Everybody say, I feel a whole lot better. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, you're wasting your time trying to build it yourself. The Bible says, unless the Lord protects the city, the sentries can watch all they want to protect the city, but they wake in vain. It's useless. Then the Bible said, it's useless for you to worry yourself night and day and work your fingers to the bone around the clock trying to put food on the table because it says the Lord in the midst of all your labor wants to give you rest. You know what the rest is in knowing this? The rest is knowing that God's in charge of my home. The rest is knowing that God himself is building my home if I'll get out of the way and let him. The rest is that God protects my home. Call me crazy, but I believe as a child of God, you have angels around your home. Call me crazy, but I hear, read the scripture that says, unless the Lord protects the city, the watchman wakes in vain that the Lord wants to protect your home. That's his job. And lastly, the Lord is the provider for your home. He can do what you can't do. So if you're a parent that's under pressure and you're worried and you're really struggling with how you're going to make all this happen, you don't have to make it happen. That's the Lord's job, and he will do his job, and he will do it well. God always keeps his promises. God always finishes what he starts. God's always faithful, and he never fails. And he's going to do those things. He's going to build your home. He's going to protect your home, and he's going to provide for your home. Here is the job that you and I have. Are you ready for this? Here's the main thing we've got to focus on. We've got to invite him to that place. We've got to invite him to be the center of our home. You ever gotten an invitation? At the bottom of it, it said, by invitation only. When I get one of those, it's a little bit of a manipulative tactic, really, if you're not careful with it, because it... It says, well, this is exclusive and you got an invitation and you better show up because you can't get in without this. You know, I've learned that God works by invitation only. He doesn't force himself into our families. He doesn't force himself into our daily routine. He doesn't force himself as the builder, the protector, and the provider of our homes when we invite him to be the centerpiece of our home, he comes in and does what only he can do. So I want to accomplish a couple things today. I want to lift a heavy burden off you that everything rises and falls on you. Everything truly rises on the Lord. But I want to challenge you today to make sure that Jesus Christ is truly the center of your home and everything that goes on there. That Jesus is the Lord over your home. Now, how do we do this? How can I invite the Lord?
to be the Lord of my home. I want to start, I want to give you three things. You knew there would be three, didn't you? We're going to start with the first one. Here we go. Set the right target. Set the right target. We regularly do an event here at the church several weekends a year. We call it parent commissioning. Parent commissioning is so wonderful. We used to do it, and we called it baby dedications till we figured out the babies didn't know what was going on. And they couldn't do anything with that. What we came to really truly understand, there's something powerful about praying over the babies, and we still do that. We pray over them. But for us, it became more about parent, parents accepting the challenge of raising that child of making a public commitment before the body of Christ that they were going to raise that child for Jesus. And then the body of Christ to be able to affirm that and say, we're going to stand with you to raise that child for Jesus. That's parenting commissioning. They have a wonderful time. They have a meal the night before. They get all kinds of gifts. Then they get up on this stage and we commission them. One of the things they teach them in that first parent commissioning class, they teach them this, begin with the end in mind. Start with where you want to finish. Amen? What is your goal for your children? Where do you want them to go? How do you want them to wind up? You and I need to set the right target for our kids from the very start if we're going to make Jesus the centerpiece of our home. Amen? We need to know what we're aiming at for our children. Now, some people say this. You ask them, what is the goal for your children? And people say, well, I want them to be happy. You know, that's a very shaky goal. Because happiness can be defined in so many ways. Happiness can come and go. Right? Some things that make me happy in the moment do not make me happy in the long run. So the goal of life should not be happiness. Some people say, well, I want them to have a successful career. I want them to make a whole lot of money. How many people are there in the world today with successful careers and a whole lot of money that deep down in their hearts are miserable and directionless and passionless? They work a job they don't care about and they have lots of money, but it means nothing to them. You may be thinking, I'd like to try that lifestyle. We laugh at that, and it is funny, but let me tell you, take a long look at their lives. There's some very, very filthy, wealthy, rich people who are in rehab today just like people who are homeless because stuff doesn't give you what you need. You may point your children towards having a successful life and a lot of money and a lot of stuff, and they may climb the ladder of success, the old cliche, to find out that it's leaning up against the wrong wall. And they become disillusioned with life. Happiness is not an adequate goal. Success in the world is not an adequate goal. Some think this, that my goal right now with my children is to get them to make good grades so they can get in the very best college that I can send them to so that they can get the best college education and get the college with the brand name so they can get a good job. I may get controversial here, and you may not agree with this, and it's okay to disagree with this. This is Pastor Andy here, okay? Not everybody agrees with me on this one, but I want to tell you something. I didn't send my kids somewhere 
that was calculated to destroy their faith and to rip away everything I've been trying to teach them. I refused to send them to a place and pay on top of it for that place to try to destroy my children's faith. Sometimes people get angry with me about that and say, well, my kid's got to go to a good school. What's a good school? Now, this is not true. I'm, I'm a fan of education. I'm a fan of uh, many of our public school teachers and university instructors and people who do this. This is not meant to be a blanket statement about everybody. Do you understand that? But there are some people out there in our colleges and in our universities who've stated that their goal is to remove any vestige of God or faith from the freshman class. They've stated that. We want to get the God out of you. And for those, they've said things like for those of you who are religious, we're going to help you get away from that and get that out of your life. I just told my kids, I want to help you go to school, but I'm not helping destroy your faith. Amen. The goal I set for my children was this. And I hate to sound arrogant. I I rarely come up here and say, this is what I think, but you should think it too. But I believe I've got the scripture on my behalf here, and I believe I've got God's spirit on my my side here. And I want you to hear it. The goal I set for my children was this. I want my kids to know Jesus and to fulfill his calling over their lives. I want them to know Jesus, and I want them to fulfill what he's called them to do. Whether that means money or not, I still want them to know Jesus and to do what he's called them to do. Whether that means safety or not, I want them to know Jesus and do what he's called them to do. God calls one of my children to a dangerous country on the other side of the world. Yes, it will be hard to put them on an airplane and send them off, and it would rip my heart out, but our goal is for them to be right in the center of God's will with a strong relationship with Jesus Christ, whether it means fame or it means never being known, whether it means money or means scraping by the rest of their lives, whatever it means, I want them to know him and to do what he's called them to do. So that when I'm gone and they're facing eternity, they can look back on their lives and say, I knew Jesus. Yes. Most important thing to get out of this life with is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. I don't care what else you've got. If you've got him, you've got everything. Amen. I don't care what you don't have. If you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. And that's the right target. So number one, set the right target. Secondly, build the right community. You know our children are going to find community somewhere. Our children are going to have voices that speak into their lives outside the home. They're going to find friends. They're going to find a place where they belong. I want to challenge you on this, and I'm sounding like a preacher this morning, but that's okay. Make sure they've got a community in the body of Christ. Amen, preacher. That's really good preaching there. You make sure they find community in the body of Christ. You go, Pastor Andy. You're telling me something that will help me this morning. Make sure to keep your kids in church. Amen. Amen. Well, preacher, that's what you're supposed to say. You're a preacher. Yeah. I'm saying it because I believe it. Well, preacher, you're just trying to get people to come to church. We got all the people in the world coming to church. It's not because we're going down. We got kids coming like crazy, and it's wonderful. I'm telling you this, your children need to find community in the body of Christ. 
Well, preacher, there's some rough kids at church. Yeah, and we welcome them here. We love them here. We're going to help them get on the right track. Not saying church is perfect. It's not. But I want my kids to be raised around people that love Jesus and serve him. I want them to be immersed in the body of Christ. Let me just say, when I was growing up, we went to church. We went to church. I didn't get up that morning and say, Dad, I'm not going this morning. We went to church. And our church had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and we went to all of them. We had revival, which means, if you don't know, we had church every night of the week sometimes for a week. We went to all of them. I've been to church. Heard a guy say, if if, uh, you ought to go to church at least once a week in your lifetime if you want to go to heaven. I'm good till I'm 215. (laughs) I could quit now and I'm good. Let me tell you how extreme we were. Now, this is extremer than I was. When we went on vacation, mom and dad found a church and we went on Sunday. We'd go to Myrtle Beach and find a church. Now, I, I did not do that with my kids. I must confess to you today that if, if I'm at the beach, I'm not going to be at the Lord's house. I'm going to be at the Lord's ocean. Yep. That's right. Love me, hate me, I'm going to be out on the beach somewhere. Yep. There's times you're going to miss church, okay? Yep. We understand that. There's times you're going to struggle. There's times you're going to be on vacation. Go on vacation. Rest, stay gone all you want to, then come back. Get back to church when you come back. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about consistency. I'm not saying you need to be as strict as we were, but I'm saying you need to have your children in the house of God with the people of God on a regular basis so that they will build relationships with people there because they need Christian heroes outside of you, mom and dad. I could name you a list of people that I grew up, Henry Powell, Margaret Powell, Gary Wolford, Marvin King. Those names mean nothing to you. Mercy D. King, my Sunday school teacher, Annabelle Rook, one of the precious ladies. She used to get up and play the accordion. That's how old school I am. They would sing with the accordion. You're not that old school, are you? I am. Let me tell you something. They were heroes to me. The world didn't know a lot about them, but I remember them to this day. And I still live thinking about the legacy of faith they put in my life. You know, out of that list I named, there's only two of them that are still alive. And you know, both of them were with us at our home in the days when my mom passed away last August. You know why? Because we are family still to this day. I don't see those people maybe once every couple of years I'm down there and see them. But they're family to me. I found a family in the church. And when I grew up and tried to start adulting I found out really quickly I needed that family I want that for you and your kids not trying to be some legalistic guy who says you got to check the box to go to heaven but I am saying this if you don't guide your children to the right community they will find a community somewhere else and I want you to be plugged in to the church met with a mother many years ago we were working with the youth group at the time first church we pastored good lord we did all kinds of stuff i led worship can you imagine that i I played the piano and led worship for that church that's how desperate we were in those early days okay all right Uh, but we started a youth group my wife and i and we'd meet in our homes and uh 
one young man started enthusiastically coming to the youth group and his mama came one day. He had missed a couple weeks and she came one day and said, well, he won't be able to be back at youth group anymore. He's got a job that will take him away from the youth group. And I said, oh, mama, please. He's just gotten enthusiastic about this. He's starting to grow. Help him work this job around youth group. Make this the priority first. You know, there's nothing wrong with a job. You just got to keep your priorities straight. Nothing wrong with kids playing sports, and I encourage that and say, great. But you got to keep your priorities straight. father was talking to me the other day he said I love sports and my kids love sports but he said we made the determination in our family that Sunday belongs to Jesus and sports are not going to take us out of church this is not some legalistic pulpit banging preacher up here this morning this is somebody who really cares about you and wants to tell you the truth this mother didn't listen to me boy missed youth group and it was just a couple months later she was back meeting with me begging me to get her son to come back to church his life was off course build the right community so number one set the right target number two build the right community number three practice the right habits I love Deuteronomy chapter 6 it's one of the high points of scripture in the Old Testament repeated by the children of Israel hear O Israel the Lord our God is one you love God with all your heart soul mind and strength But it says this about the commandments of God, and it tells us about our kids. It says this, Deuteronomy 6, 7, repeat them again. It's talking about the commandments of God. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Love that. This is a good habit. Have a meal together once in a while. Can I talk to you this morning? Are you in a hurry? Can I talk to you today? I think one of the way, one of the reasons, and you may think this is extreme, but I think one of the reasons society is in such struggle is because families don't sit down and have dinner anymore. I think it's a huge contributor that nobody talks about. But I think when families sit down and just talk to each other, good things happen. Could I challenge you as parents to push away some activities? And to restructure and find a way as often as you can to sit down at a table with your children and eat together without this. You see so much now, and I've been guilty of it myself. As sure as I say this, somebody's going to take a picture of me in a restaurant looking at my phone. (laughs) So just get your cameras ready. But have you been in restaurants lately and seen a whole family of people sitting around the table and everybody at the table's here? Yep. Right. Sit down and talk to each other. So he says, talk about them when you're in your home. Then he says this, talk about them when you're on the road. Man, there's a thought. Here's the deal with parenting that I learned. The biggest moments in my parenting career My Hall of Fame moments were unannounced. I didn't say, son, we're going to sit down and have an important conversation at 325. Be ready. 
No. I'm in the car on the way to the grocery store, and he's in the back, or my daughter's in the back. And they say, Dad, I've got a question. And then they throw the most difficult question at you you've ever heard in your life. And you say, Jesus, help me. And you answer it as best you can, and you shape their lives forever. Let me just tell you something. Car is a great place to have conversations. Can I just tell you all something funny? When I had my conversation with my son about the facts of life, I took him out, and I was, this is one I planned because we had to have it. We had to have the talk. You've got to have that earlier now than you used to. So I remember I took him up to the Asheville Mall in the food court, and I bought him something there, and we were eating, and, and I was looking at him, and I just didn't know how to start. It was so awkward. So I just got him in the car, and we drove all over Asheville. And I told him all about it with my hands on the wheel looking straight ahead. That's not my Hall of Fame parent moment, but it worked, okay? When you're on the road, when you're at home, then it says this, it's so good, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Built-in times for parenting right there. We did make this a practice. We took our kids, we drove our children to school in the mornings. We did that and we chose to do that. We did it... um, when they were young in elementary school, then they went to another school where we had to drive them there, but we always drove them to school intentionally because we used that time in the car to pray for them. We would ask them, what what can we pray about? And then before they got out of the car every day, we said a prayer. Now, it wasn't some earth-shattering Holy Ghost moment where the car shook with the power of God. Some days we're running late and we're all frustrated and we're like, Jesus, be with these kids. In your name we pray, amen, get out. (laughs) Can we just be real? But some of those times when we prayed, conversation took place. And then we did the next thing is every night we put them to bed. Alexa went to one room and I went to the other room and we would switch. And we'd sit on their bed and say, how can I pray with you? And we would pray, and conversation would happen. Can I tell you, when you put those right practices into your life, your parenting's going to go to a whole new level. Set the right target, build the right community, develop the right habits. I love the story. I'll close with this. I love the story of a young boy named Jimmy. This is a real story, really true. He was sitting on the porch with his mom and dad, Back in the days before we had phones and everybody got on the phone, anybody remember the olden days when you would sit out on the porch and look up at the stars? Oh, my goodness. I think I'm just going to throw this thing out. This is free right here. I'm throwing this in for free. We're not going to take up an offering again. Your life would be a whole lot better if you put your phone away at night and sit out on a porch somewhere and look up would anyway little Jimmy and his mom and dad are sitting out on the porch and uh, looking up and Jimmy starts talking to his mom about the moon 
And talking to his dad about the moon, he asked all kind of questions about the moon and how far away the moon was, and he just became enthralled with the moon. And he's a little bitty boy, and he looked up at his mommy, and he said, Mommy, one day for you, I'm going to walk on the moon. You ever heard your kids say something outlandish like that? This was a long time ago before men had walked on the moon. It was impossible. Nobody's ever going to do that. But he had a great mom. You know what his mom told him? She looked back at him. She said, Jimmy, I believe you just might do that. 1971, Jim Irwin stepped off the lunar module, stood on the moon for his mama. For his mama. Parents, we got an opportunity to launch them into some great stuff. People say the world's tough. I know it's tough, but you're tougher. And God, and greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You can raise champion children for Jesus Christ in this world we live in today. And all this world needs it. You want to change the world? Raise great kids. I'm praying for you as you do that. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you today for the privilege to be together in this place with some great people. Yes, yeah, some that struggle, all that struggle. All of us have room to grow. We're not there yet. But God, we're with you. You're with us and in us. God, I pray right now for parents who are struggling just to know what to do next. Pray for parents right now, God, who are just kind of at the end. Some of them are like, I'm at the end of this rope. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make it. Father, I pray today and ask in Jesus' name that your word will encourage them that you are the one working in and through them in their homes to build, protect, and provide. Lord, I ask if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that today they'll say yes to Jesus, our Heavenly Father, and follow you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Anybody in this room today saying, Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. I want to follow him. Can I see your hand right now? We won't embarrass you. Can I see your hand? Anybody? Yes to Jesus. Anybody here saying, Pastor, I'm a parent. And I'm worried that I don't know what I'm doing. Can I see your hands right now just in honesty? Oh, yeah, a bunch of them. I didn't realize it would be most of the parents, but it seems to be this. Raise them up again. So I'm, I'm a parent. Sometimes I wonder if I even know what I'm doing. God, be with these this morning. God, build wisdom into these homes. How many say, Pastor, I've got a child right now who's not walking the path with Jesus that I want them to. Pray for them today. Can we do that this morning? Would you raise your hand? I've got a child right now that's not walking the path that God wants them to. Pray for them right now. Some years ago, to encourage you, we prayed this prayer. There was a mother sitting right over here to my right, and we prayed this prayer, and she had a big son, big tall boy that wasn't serving Jesus. We prayed this prayer, and you know what happened? This boy testified later. He said, we were sitting in our homes, and it's like the Holy Spirit walked into our living room, and he fell to his knees and received Christ at the moment we were praying. And it's still a part of this church today. Father, I claim that right now. You're no respecter of persons. And Lord, for hands that were raised and hearts that were moved today for children, we claim them for you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's my first arrow right there. Right there. First one. Boom.
Heavenly bless you. You ready? Children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You're blessed with that this morning. Now go, I commission you, take Jesus to your world. We're going to see you next time. We're going to talk about drawing that arrow back and aiming it well. All right, love y'all so much. Thanks for being here today. See you then.